1: Old Trafford has seen a great decline, its reputation for noise has been lost and a great stadium remains iconic, remains fantastic but there is no doubt that the atmosphere has suffered vastly in the past three decades or so. Why that was, what can fix it and who must do what is what we're discussing today. Speaking to the founder and editor of United's oldest fanzine, United We Stand, Andy Mitten, now a journalist working for ESPN, GQ, 442, The Sunday Times and many, many others. As well as him, we're joined by Chris from the Twitter account, MUFC Songs and Chants, a United fan going home and away and in Europe, as well as Ian Sterling, Vice Chair of the Manchester United Supporters Trust and representative of the fans at Club Run Fans Forums. We consider safe standing and expansion as two solutions, as well as many other much smaller things. You'll hear opinions on who's responsible for the atmosphere being so rubbish now, but to begin with, some background. Old Trafford hasn't been touched since 2006 when it was last expanded to continue United's constant push ahead of their rivals. There's no denying it is a fantastic stadium. It's iconic. It's got the open space around, you want a great selection of pubs, and as an old stadium it's got two very important things. Built in 1912, it's got the history of thousands of great games and hundreds of unforgettable moments, but it also means it really can rock. Allow night at Old Trafford and you can feel the floor vibrating and moving with you.
3: When, when the roar comes down it's deafening. You can hear it. You know, the, the ground, you can shake that ground. You can
1: do it. It can still be fantastically deafening. Thinking back to games against Real Madrid in 2013, Barcelona in the Champions League semi final of 2008, when Paul Scholes scored that goal, and the 7 1 against Roma back in 2007. But on a regular basis, you can now say that there has never been a worse atmosphere at Old Trafford than right now. The atmosphere has gradually declined for the last three decades. The advent of the Premier League priced out a whole group of supporters, changed the demographic of football fans. United support has grown more fickle, less vocal, and it should be criticised. It's too quiet. Boos can be heard, even for our own players like Fellaini, even for our own manager just after he'd won us the Cup in Louis van Gaal. Andy Mitten explained to us a couple of months ago why it's declined to such an extent. It's changed
4: because of a couple of things. The Taylor Report meant all to stadia. The prices shot up to watch matches in the early 90s and priced out a whole generation of predominantly younger supporters. And I've spoken to Martin Edwards about this. He was the chairman at the time and he said, we had to do it. We had to pay for the new stands. Seats were more expensive than standing because they took up more space. And and I get all that, but I don't agree with it. And I think that the club didn't push back because they were quite happy to get rid of the Stratford and Terrace because that was where the rowdiest fans went. I think part of the blame lies with United fans. They turn up to the games too late. I don't think there's the, the anger socially and the passion socially that maybe there was. And I travel all around the world now writing about football and go to places like Argentina where it reminds me of England in the 1980s. And I think when I grew up in Manchester I didn't feel I was growing up in a rich country but Great Britain is rich now. It's one of the leading economies of, of, of the world, whatever's going on politically. And the demographic has changed hugely um, in the type of people who go to football matches. And I saw that in the early 90s, stood on Warwick Road some that Busby Way, and you could see the people going to football changing um, yeah. from, from a predominantly working class demographic to so a very middle class demographic and nothing wrong with that people with money have always gone to watch football Old Trafford had executive boxes in the 1960s but what you also had was you lost some of the I think the the groups of younger local guys going to the match singing and standing together on, on, on the Stratford End Terrace and, and something was lost and it's been a struggle to to get it back interestingly having
1: spoken to Andy Chris other United fans Ian from Mus and a fair few of regular home away and European match goers the point at which they see the atmosphere as declining is dependent often, often on their age for me it's in the last few years but it obviously has been steady for a couple of decades Chris who is behind the at songs account on Twitter says agreeing with me that it's since Fergie retired oh,
3: 1992 92 first game I think it's been since Fergie's left. it's been more, even more than prevalent. Before, it wasn't so bad. I mean, it was, it, was, it was declining a bit. But that's the nature of football anyway. The football's been declining for a while. You know, it isn't just, uh, you know, uh, when you go to away games, you listen to the, the crowd and the only thing you can hear is United fans singing. You can very, very rarely see hear a lot of uh, uh, the home fans singing unless you go to places like Sally's Park, you know, where uh, obviously, you know, they've got that sort of group of gang of ultras, are not they? Yeah, Yeah, what you call
1: them. It's a fair point. This is far from a United-specific issue. It's one that has engulfed the Premier League as a whole, and big clubs in particular, with the examples Chris just gave being smaller sides like Palace and Huddersfield as well promoted this season.
4: When I was standing on the Stratford end as a kid, it was so loud for the biggest games. I'd be scared. I can remember (laughs) thinking, this is sort of, this is hurting your ears. And 1987, when I first went by myself... And then I was taken as a ten-year-old um, in '83. At uh, 13, I was going, I was going pretty much every home game. And by 15, 16, I'd started United restand, and I was going to away games as well. And and by sort of 18, I was going to every single game, home and away in, in Europe a lot. And it was great. I absolutely loved it. It's not just because of the football, which often wasn't wasn't um, spectacular, but met friends who'd become friends for lives. you'd see the world we traveled all around england and, and beyond and it's just a great way of of growing up and seeing the world and, and watching your favorite football team and and all along we were doing united we stand and, and that became very popular and and it's still going to this day it wasn't like that all the time and, and even in early issues of united we stand there were complaints at the atmosphere but wasn't what it had been and I think every generation does that they tend to hark back to their youth when everything seemed to be perfect usually around the time that they were 17 and discovering the world and going out socialising music and not every single game was, had a good atmosphere but the Stretford End did see um, a lot of young United fans who would turn up on the day of the game they would sing loud, they would sing proud even when the football wasn't good and the atmosphere could be great, and it declined a lot throughout the 90s through a couple of um, notable games where it was really good and in the noughties, I think Barcelona at home in 2008 was, was, was absolutely brilliant
0: Gosh, so my first game was in 1973 It cost me five pence to get in and it was a reserve game, and it's for one of George Best's comeback games right. So, my mate, who was a bit older than me, had lived on our street I only lived over the road in So. Yeah. something me by hand and banged in there, and that's yeah. it. It was up to ever since. Totally different kind of place, then. First of all, you had pay on the game. Kids could get in. Yeah. Groups of mates could stand together. Yeah. You yeah. could generate some kind of community there. I think that's what's missing there at the moment. You um, generate some kind of community. So it was a bad game, it was a bad game. But there was, was always some atmosphere, there was always, you know, it, it was always lively. Uh, yeah. and, and that's what changed. It was it, really then. With the introduction of all-seater Stadia, Premier League being being a, more attractive to uh, sports tourism, people maybe want to come across for you know one or two games a season, yeah. um, that kind of thing, which diluted that hardcore of support. And I think, and then gradually, you know, what's happened over the years is that it, it's gone. That those numbers of people have gone away, and they've been replaced by. Yeah. By uh, people who make what we call tourists, you know, JCLs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and that coupled with football, football being a very expensive game, yeah. in terms of a dad wanting to take his kids with him or mum wanting to take his kids, kids with whatever, it's not, you couldn't go as a family, you couldn't get a block of seats together for a start who were going to be available, you know. So the, the, your introduction to that experience, when I went, it was it wonder. It's amazing this crowd of people, yeah. the pitch, your heroes. Feet away from you, you come out, you sing your songs for them, you get behind them all the way, you felt part of it. Yeah. When it's very difficult for kids going now to actually feel part of it, okay, they might see them on TV, you know, they yeah. interact with them on Twitter, Facebook or whatever, it's a different thing. Yeah. So, where it declined, I would probably say, yeah, early 90s. But, different people went at different times <laughs> see different things and have different perspectives.
1: A former chief executive at United, who was very influential for a number of years, as the atmosphere grew worse, spoke off the record, and he seemed to suggest it's partly just based on the quality of football and on poor games. We were speaking after United had beaten Liverpool, and the atmosphere had been fantastic. The game had been fantastic. Jack, has he has he got a point?
2: Ultimately, I must say, I think what the biggest thing for atmosphere that can be done is is the team playing well. I think it can't be. We can't overlook the fact that our decline since the Fergie era has coincided with the biggest drop-off in the atmosphere in my opinion and I think until we get that back that, that cause I think a lot of the atmosphere in those old Champions League games you were mentioning it was a belief that we could actually do something special here tonight and we, we I just don't think the fans have that at the moment
1: but the Severe game a Champions League knockout game under the lights at Old Trafford that was a huge game against relatively big opposition the atmosphere after about 15 minutes was woeful whose argument does that play into the idea that the quality of play is responsible for the atmosphere or that it's not relevant Chris, who goes home and away, is right in pointing out that the quality of games is never relevant to the away support.
3: I mean, the Burnley game is absolutely fantastic. It's the best atmosphere we've seen in the in, in Yeah, But the team's playing shit. Now, I've heard that excuse given before. Uh, oh, the reason why it's crap at all traffic is because Joe Domino set us up and we don't play very well, so the team don't get behind him. If he went to Burnley, I think we had one shot on goal with we Anton Martial, and scored.
1: <laughs> yeah. But there is clearly a link. As much as fans would sometimes want to think otherwise, it's the players that get the crowd going and not the other way around. It can be the other way around, definitely. But it's not always. I think,
3: I think the problem is, I think football is becoming sterile anyway. Um, I mean, there was an instance the other day where somebody sent a message on MFC Chance that they'd been um, ejected from the stadium by the stewards for swearing as they were like shouting up, you know, like you know, yeah, he was like saying, fucking come on, like this, something like, and that sort of way. The Sewers said sit down, and he didn't sit down, so he threw him out. And now he's been barred for like three games, yeah. because he was standing up getting behind, trying to get behind his team. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. the stewards aren't letting the fans stand and sort of get going. It's very difficult to sit down and get excited, isn't it? Yeah, or you know, really, you know, to get going.
1: Chris does say that football has become sterile, and it's something that Andy Mitten also suggested. British people going to the football has changed. It's more middle class. And this is the thing. A lot of people blame tourists who come to United and snap away with their cameras. Fine, they are part of the issue. But the reality is that there are fifty five thousand season ticket holders at United, and only a few thousand tourists every game. And the reality is that they could make enough noise by themselves, but they don't. Why is that? Andy didn't sugarcoat it and just said that British football fans are, quite frankly, lazy.
4: There are initiatives. There are still a lot of people who'd love to raise and improve the atmosphere at Old Trafford. But it's difficult. And I just think that a lot lot of British people, not just Manchester United fans, they're just not that bothered. They're just not. They they might say they're going to be, they want it to be better. But they turn up five minutes before the game starts, have a bit of a moan. It's just not putting the same effort in that some of the groups I see on the continent are. And I go to them and I speak to some of those groups on the continent and beyond. Now,
1: before we begin to criticise a club or certain sets of fans, let's hear a few sides of the story. Ian Sterling, who I spoke to at the Manchester United Supporters Trust house on Sir Matt Busby Way before the Liverpool game, while he was having a quick pre-match drink, says the club are supportive of Musk's efforts. general, effort. club supportive. Yes, they are, because
0: they realise you can't go on like this. It's disjointed in terms of configuration in the ground. You've got your most vocal support. No, no, no most fervent support. You know, those people who really want to enjoy the match day experience, who want to make some noise, who want to get behind the scene, who want to create atmosphere, and they're spread all around the ground. Yeah. You know, in pockets, little bits here and there. And so it's difficult to really generate that kind of atmosphere. That we know that we can. If you look at our away following, yeah, what happens, you get a load of lads who really, oh sorry, not just lads, I don't want to be sexist. There no, are loads of people who just really want to be there, and want to be there for the right reasons, and they generate the atmosphere, and that's that's what it's about. So this is what we want to duplicate, really duplicate. Uh, this is what we want to duplicate in the ground. This is the, This is going to be part of it with L, that's what's going to happen, and then hopefully at some point in the future, sooner rather than later, We're going to get the same thing on a permanent basis inside the ground.
1: Even if there is goodwill within the club towards the issue, and it seems there is, it doesn't always manifest itself in the best ways. And Andy Mitten, who has very good sources inside the club, says ultimately the people running the club do not and will never understand football fan culture, which plays a huge part in sorting the issue. He also talks about opposition within our own supporters. I think
4: you need people on board at the club who can try and understand fan culture, and not all of the people do at the club. You get people who if they really admitted it to themselves, their first love is rugby. And they say, I'm a big football fan, I love Manchester United. But as young men, they weren't going to football matches. They just don't understand the tiny nuances which are really important in football culture. And that doesn't help either. So you need people. And there have been people at the club who, who have understood. And I do think, if you said to any of the powerful people at Old Trafford, would you like the noise to be louder at Old Trafford and for there to be more atmosphere, I think everybody would say yes, of course. But it's it's how you get that. And it's tricky because the stadium is... Is full to capacity for almost every single game.
1: On to one of the biggest issues then the FA Cup quarter final against Brighton sees United fans occupy L stand, which is what Ian mentioned very briefly a couple of moments ago. That's where the away fans usually sit for league and European games, but with it being a Cup game, the opposition, Brighton, are given a far larger proportion of the seats, and because Brighton aren't filling it, A group of fans approached the club and asked to be able to create a section in L-Stand. It's not a singing section because no one wants to call it that, but let's be honest, it is. The J-Stand group, who are admittedly controversial in some of what they say and do, have organised it alongside the club and Must and allowed people to send membership numbers and surnames and got their tickets moved to L-Stand for the one-off game. The only rule is that those applying to sit there have to be older than 13. It's one of the moves that has seen little controversy. Everyone agrees it's a fantastic idea and here's what Ian from Must said about it.
0: Well, it's kind of a, a, a uh, we've put suggestions to the club at the fans forum meeting, but it's kind of something that we've been pushing for before in terms of uh, efforts to maybe being able to show what we can achieve on a match by match basis sometimes when the availability is there, because it, with it being an FA Cup game, Brighton now taking the full allocation, it gave us the opportunity to reserve a block and that block ideally would have been held. That's where we had the original trial for the SOC that game. Um, which was a great success and everyone yeah. when the you know singing section, I hate that term singing section. Uh, when, it, when it first came about, we thought it was gonna go in there and it'd be a great success because you've got this empty space yeah where you can move all the kinds of people in that you want. All the, all the people who want to be in there yeah. as well, and with that, there's kind of an acceptance that people are going to stand, they're going to see, you've got to get behind the team. Yeah. It's not for people who purchase tickets on a match by match basis or come across, you know, one game every yeah. five or six years, and they don't come over with a half an hour scarf. It's like the more traditional kind of support that we all want to see in there. So it gave us that opportunity with L for this game versus Brighton. So. It's been a great success so far with the take-up. So uh, it bodes well for the future because it kind of demonstrates what we can do. Yeah, and the club have been like, understanding... The club have been supportive. The club have been very supportive with it. As soon as we put the suggestion through to, oh, OK, look, this is, what we, this is what we would like to do, they were supportive with it. So, I mean, I'm glad to see that. I, th- I think there's a push inside the club as well yeah. to address... You know what's going on with the atmosphere every listen it's a premier League problem it's top level problem uh through all the grounds. we can't solve the others, but we can do something at old Trafford and there seems to be the desire there seems to be the desire to want to do something at old Trafford now that's ideal um and hopefully. Initiatives like this will spread across into you know giving us our, our space where we can manage it ourselves and help create some atmosphere
1: for Chris, too. It's an ideal scenario that's
3: going to be absolutely fantastic because we're going in that, we've moved the tickets over. but that's an absolutely fantastic idea because what they're trying to do is, is get people together, we want to sing, so guarantee that, that that will be rocking all the way through. Because everybody I know, um, who's like who goes away, I mean, I even know there's a guy called. Uh, if you look on Twitter, his name is Snake It Sam.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I know.
3: You've seen him. You've seen it. Yeah.
1: yeah, he's he's well, been well, he's well, been home game for what is it? Twelve years now.
3: Yeah, yeah. And guess where he's going?
1: Is he going stand?
3: He's going to Elland, yeah. <laughs> because he's been it, it's like he's been infused to come back by everybody, like in because of what's going, going on in this.
1: It's your very own away end, isn't it? Inside inside yeah. Old Trafford.
3: I think, I think personally, I think it's it's down to the club to get the funds to organise this up and to assist the fans in doing it, like they've done with this this house stand move. Yeah, I just given my name, and season ticket number. Uh, uh, the ticket office run me, gave me, told me what did, well, just to confirm that I was moved over, and told me what city was in, and they were sending some tickets out to it. So the club are paying for obviously postage, out for printing them tickets, and it's not cost me a penny. Um, do you know what I mean? So obviously there's a bit of club involvement there and a bit of club backing in what they're trying to do. The club has facilitated it. Jay Stand have, have contributed to it.
1: I spoke to Kip Sam, who Chris mentioned briefly there a couple of days ago, and he couldn't come on but said, when asked why he's going for the first time in over a decade to sit in El stand, he said, one reason, it will be like an away match end, obviously. What does that mean? People sitting with their mates, everyone there wanted to sing, knowing the words. He has now given away his ticket, though, having seen the terrible atmosphere for the Champions League game against Sevilla. And that's part of the problem. Nothing is ever consistent with the atmosphere at United. Even Stand, it's another one-off. It's hoping to prove to the club, something Ian from Musk said, that the fans should be given a self-run permanent section of the ground to improve the atmosphere, and hopefully it does. But let's throw back to 2013, when a singing section was trialled in Stand against Real Sociedad. It was brilliant, it was loud, it worked. The club know that, the fans know that, but what's happened since? That section was moved to J-Stand, upsetting long-term season ticket holders who had been sitting there for some time and had to be moved out of their seats. That's in contrast to L where there were no season ticket holders because it's usually the away end. What people wanted was for it to be in the L permanently, but that didn't happen. And J-Stand make a good effort. They're small in number, occupying the corner on the left-hand side opposite the Stripford end. And at the Liverpool game it worked fantastically because those in the scoreboard end next to them joined in. Jay would start songs, the rest would join in. But the issue for normal games is that Jay starts songs, carry them on, but aren't joined in by a sat-down scoreboard end who don't make the effort, and the noise in Jay simply doesn't carry to the Stretford end, and vice versa. Let's hear some thoughts on the Jay standards, who are controversial, yes, despite all their best efforts. First, from Andy Yeah uh, I
4: sat in Jay stand for the Chelsea game a few months ago, and I was struck okay by the number of, t- of tourists in there. So that's United fans selling them tickets and b by how late people were arriving in there and c by how many people were not actually bothered about singing in there there were plenty of people in there trying to get the atmosphere going but it was pockets of people and at times it all joined up and it went really well and other times it, it, it didn't and i like the flags that they do, doing i think they're really good they're imaginative they're original they look great but you'll still get knocked by people online who hate just about everything in the world so i remember the singing section which was trialed against Real Sociedad in the autumn of 2013 really good it worked so well and then it was moved to J-Stand and that didn't work as well and long-standing season ticket holders were moved out of their seats and that wasn't a good idea and I was speaking to the club at the time as well and the clear suggestion that it wasn't going to be a good idea and it would cause disruption and I think the club definitely had people who were well-intentioned in wanting to improve the atmosphere but it's also a nervousness when dealing with fans as well because in the 80s and 90s, um, the, the, a good atmosphere often in the eyes of officialdom the was these people are rowdy drunks and there was a suspicion and I think the, the club has to build up a trust with the fans now. But...
1: Now, seeing section is a bad term. Everyone agrees on that really, but that's what it is. So accepting that, has it been a good idea? I mean, it upset many people and it hasn't worked out as well as people hoped but that's because it was done quite poorly. The intentions from the club were there but the execution wasn't good. Something Andy spoke about earlier. Here's what Chris, who sits basically opposite the J-Stand at Old Trafford, said about the area and the people involved.
3: J-Stand have sort of issued like um, instructions what you can and can't do. I accept that they, they might not like the idea of putting this out on social media. Of of recording, like you know, the the chances of the 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 fans enjoying themselves. But you surely think I would myself. I mean, even though I do run this page and I'm a little bit biased, you would think that they would want people to see what it's like in that area and get that out to people. Say, look, if you give us an area and say this is a dedicated sort of vocal fan support area, you can transfer in you just got to ask the club to transfer. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. you know, the more you go in, the more chance you've got to come in there. And if you get people to stay together and, and stick in that one area, then they'll get it going. So surely they want that exposure so the club can see that it does work. Um, yeah. But they don't want to. I, I'm pretty sure they don't want to. The biggest
1: reason for L-Stand now and J-Stand before and currently is that it puts people who want to sing together, together. That is the only thing that needs to be done, according to Chris. And it's something that Andy said previously about the next generation of fans not being able to sit together, make mates, and then begin to go to games together, home, away, in Europe. Sets of fans can't come in together. They can't come in from the pub where they've been singing and keep singing from the pub. They're split up.
3: Really, all you need to do, in my, in my opinion, is try and get people together who want to you know, sing and improve the atmosphere. I mean, if you go to the toll gate uh, before the game, or like used to be Sam Plats, yeah. It's absolutely crazy. It's madness. Absolute craziness, and it's such a good laugh. Um, and it doesn't matter what age you are, what colour you are, if you're uh, if you're foreign, English, you just get in there in this tent. Someone's uh, flight of smoke, grays off. You're having a good laugh, having a drink. They're a walk to the game. They're getting the get, getting the match. They just go flat. It's yeah, because if, if
1: if you yeah. lifted that atmosphere from, well, not Platts anymore, but from Tollgate, from Bishop's Blaze, so,
3: If you lifted right.
1: Those people into one section, it'd be buzzing.
3: Yeah, that'd be buzzing, and that's simple. And I think that's the easiest way to do it. I, there's there's a lot of people who are involved in that um, in, in tollgate, and um, I could I've got five main people I know that, that are like, involved in all of it. it who do the organisation to the promotion to the singing. Um, you know, there's one guy who goes in there. He goes out. He goes over the way. He's like me. He goes all every game, seasonal time. He's always in having to sing. And then it says he goes into Old Trafford and it's just
1: dead. Yeah. It, it is. It's awful. I mean, it is really the the simplest concept in a big debate. Put fans who want to sing together, together. Allow that to happen. It's a small move that United need to make.
2: I do think some sort of some sort of section, maybe whether that's a singing section, a standing section, whatever it might be, of trying to group together the fans who are who are the best at making the atmosphere what we know it can be, would be a positive step.
1: But that means respecting people who do want to sit, because not everyone wants to sing as much as I want them to. Some people are older, that's fine. Some people just cannot stand or sing all game. So give them an area. Give them somewhere to sit in the same way those who want to stand should be allowed to stand. Ian told us that the club are in a difficult situation and there's no doubt about that. They don't want to upset people who can't see the game because people are standing in front of them. But that's why the stadium layout has got to be changed to make sure similar minded fans are together. Whether that's the fans who want to sing together and stand together or that's the fans who want to sit together and enjoy the game enjoy the entertainment of football without singing in a standy game. Look at Crystal Palace and go back to the 2015 FA Cup final. The atmosphere was rubbish from the United fans. Rubbish. In a cup final. So it's not just Old Trafford. And Palace fans, to be honest, they annoy me. I don't like the drum. and couldn't work at United. Our songs are different. They're wittier, funnier and not to be done with a drum. They're not like on the continent. But what Palace did do is keep their vocal fans together, the ultras if you like, in a section in the middle of the first tier behind the goal and it worked at Wembley. They led, others followed around them. You have got to respect those who want to sit down though.
3: Yeah, you've got to respect that some people don't want to sing, and don't want to stand up and clap or whatever. They, they may, may not want to do it. That doesn't mean just because we want to, you've got to dis, you know, um, say that they can't do it or they're contributing to the problem. You know, there's the there's, there's season tickets that are uh, next to me. He's an older guy, he's been there for years, he's up 60 odd. At least he's been there since he was 18 years old, he said. Uh, I, he never sings once, he doesn't clap, he watches the game and
1: he gets up and goes home. So you're going to respect that. Now, it's, it's the one solution we keep talking about, putting the people together. Does it matter whether they're in seats or in safe standing sections? Yes, it does. But is it a matter of urgency? Can the atmosphere be fixed before safe standing comes in? Ian from Must doesn't think it has to be done in order to fix the atmosphere as much as the Manchester United Supporters Trust have focused on pushing the club to get it done.
0: Well, I think it can be done... Before safe standing is introduced, look, we, we give out, we've pushed, we've worked very hard as a supporters trust for, you know, a great number of years, as long as I can remember, about the introduction of safe, you know, having safe standing, rail seats being introduced to allow people to safe, stand safely. But, that is out of the club's control. But yeah. what they can do is have a relaxed attitude to groups of people who want to be in one area together, who are standing, you who know, are not causing any obstruction, and not causing any kind of issue you know, so they can have a relaxed attitude with that. So there's things that they can do to assist with that. We've got that in J at the moment. We've got a good yeah. section in J where they allow standing all the way through. Problem is, you know, where you've got these mix of supporters, some supporters oh, yeah. who come in, oh, I, want to sit I want to sit down, come on, entertain me. Yeah. And uh, they're going to complain when people stand in front of them. So it puts the club in a bad position, a difficult position. Yeah.
1: Safe standing should be called rail seating, technically. The introduction of safe standing is fraught with legal issues, but ultimately it will increase safety. Rail seats are put in place of plastic seats. Standing in those plastic seats, I think, is dangerous. Celebrating goals in those, their bodies going flying, flying over over plastic seats. I remember having that myself after Zlatan Ibrahimovic's winner against Southampton in the, in the League Cup final at Wembley. And what safe standing means is metal rails with seats attached that can be folded up and locked away. When they need to be put down, they can be, and that will probably be the situation in European games. Everyone has their own seat or standing space and it's not a matter of cramming everyone in. At some clubs, it's been restricted to season ticket holders, all who have a different coloured ticket to everyone else to make it easy for stewards to know if they're meant to be in there and to keep numbers safe. Standing areas have been banned in English football's top two tiers since the Taylor Report in 1990, which followed the Hillsborough disaster. Rail seats have been tried and tested and they work. Not only are they safe... But they help the atmosphere. In Germany's Bundesliga, there are eight clubs with safe-standing sections. There are more than four in Austria, a few in Switzerland, Hungary, Belgium, Norway, the Netherlands, Sweden, Russia and Celtic closer to home in Scotland. United fans have their experience of safe-standing at CSK Moscow in the Champions League. And Peter Bolton, who goes home and away and in Europe and has done for many, many years, tweeted about how much safer it felt because you weren't going toppling over these plastic seats. Because being realistic, everyone still stands away from home, even if you're in seats upper tier of the Stretford End everyone stands they're in plastic seats and it's dangerous Celtic have successfully implemented a small safe standing section and United officials have reportedly visited it to check it out so there is interest there from United officials closer to home Shrewsbury Town in League One. They've now raised £65,000 through a crowd fund with their own fans paying for a lot of that and a betting company for about half of it to introduce rail seats at their stadium. They'll be the first English club to bring rail seats in when they do. Financially, what are the issues for United? To go through it, it's £80 a seat for safe standing. A properly nice, fancy seat that you actually sit on, like Arsenal's Emirates plushy red seats, they cost about £60 a seat, whereas United's cheapy plastic ones are around £30. It is an investment, there's no doubt about that. But as one writer pointed out, try tearing a metal seat from a metal pole or kicking a hole through it like away fans can do with United seats at Old Trafford. It's not happening. It's also safer. What are the blocks to, to finally implementing safe standing? Well, Liverpool is a big one, and it's fair enough. But the Liverpool supporters club, Spirit of Shankley, did a poll and 88% of their fans out of around 18,000, so a fairly big poll, favoured rail seating to seated to properly sitting down. The new generation and those who stood on the old cop are mainly those who favour it, according to them. Now, some suggest it needs a change in government law and others claim it needs only a shift in government policy. And being honest, the real details, we can't say. But if the families of the victims of the Hillsborough disaster were supportive, it would be really, really hard to see why the government or FA or Premier League would oppose it. And United can lead it.
4: Safe standing, The club's position has, has shifted from one of being against it to a neutral one to so one now of being in favour of it without pushing for it I think United should be bolder and push for it because Manchester United a big name but commercially it doesn't really add that much to Manchester United's bottom line uh, they've got to maintain lots of different relationships with lots of people uh, but I would love to see the club become uh, more bold and, and push for safe standing uh, I think it would only add that it would add capacity it would allow for cheaper tickets uh, and it would certainly add to the atmosphere because you'd have like-minded groups of fans wanting to stand together and, and make a good noise. And I'm, I'm glad that, although it's slow, it's very surely becoming more of a mainstream agenda. I think it works at Celtic Park. Um, there's a, a section going to be introduced at Shrewsbury Town very shortly. And I don't see any harm with in the small standing paddocks, maybe behind the goals at Old Trafford. But I could have said the same thing a decade ago. It's still not happened. Um, And I just hope that the increasing momentum has been there, even though it's moving at a snail's pace. I do think um, when you see how successful Celtic's been, that it it, it should be introduced um, in British stadiums.
3: The the, the safe standing needs to come back because you you need to get that people up. When they're sitting down, it gets comfortable. But also as well, personally, I think it's because people feel embarrassed to sing on their own. So they'll only join in when everyone's going together. What we want is a section where people will join in and stick in. They know where they're going. They probably just have like a season ticket that gets them into the ground. There's no way you can stand where you want. You know, and they'll all group together. All the mates are getting together. And then it'll just keep rolling and rolling. And then that's it. Because it'll be like, like, obviously, in the way game, it will be that easy to do. And the club, all they've got to do is move people into it and, and let people do it. So there was an idea that said that uh, tier one at the Stratford end, uh, there's um, a bit of the family section in one quarter, and then there's executive uh, the stuff. executive seats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If they shifted them out, right? So you move, you can move the family section. Uh, um, maybe move that around to i stand where it is now at the top. And then have that whole section of the of the tier one of the strep and then as a local support safe standing. No matter, people are getting uh, get behind the team, and it'd be absolutely rocky. That's what it needs. And it is quite there's a, there's a lot of people that want to do it.
2: As long as it can be made fully safe. I'm all for safe standing. I think, to be honest with you, most parts of the stadium, especially the ones that have the best atmosphere, stand up for the entire game anyway. If we can lead the way on that, and also cheaper ticket prices, which in a safe standing area you would assume tickets should be a little bit cheaper than than the seated areas. If someone someone in in England has to lead the way on it, ultimately, and, and if it's going to become a widely used thing, I just think why not us? You know, out, out of all the all the clubs, we are we're the ones with the biggest stadium. Uh, We're the ones who, you know, our our capacity would probably be the least affected by it. Safe standing
1: would be fantastic. It would help. But I think a similar kind of impact can be had by changing the way tickets are sold for Old Trafford, by ensuring mates can sit together, something Chris has constantly gone on about when he spoke to us. Because that's what most people want from safe standing. And similarly, if United simply had areas where where these fans were, they wouldn't have to be so worried about those who want to sit. And that would mean the stewards wouldn't be so keen to put a dampener on the atmosphere by removing fans who stand at football games, something Chris also mentioned. It's one very simple move that could be of great help. But safe standing is an exciting prospect, even if... The atmosphere can be fixed without it. But even if it is going to happen, it will be some years. United should lead the way. They've got the money to do it, certainly. They've got the status and the reputation. With the name of Manchester United behind the campaign to reintroduce standing into the top level of English football, it's far greater for the government, for the Premier League, for the FA. United's name carries a lot of weight. But they will need the help of others, and that means other things must be done. We've suggested a few already, but the price of football at Old Trafford is a big issue too. United
3: you know, really need to look at the pricing structure uh, for youth as well. Bringing, uh, sure, not Forrester the other week. Have you seen that this time? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They've done, uh, it, 50 quid for 12 to 17 year olds? Mm. £2 a game.
3: <laughs> yeah. Now, that's cheap. I mean, I think £10 is cheap for mine, for my life. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still think that's cheap. But I think what they could do is they could encourage them to to increase the concessions and have an 18 to 25 ticket, yeah, exactly, yeah. price or Same Look, to, given that the well, you can have the 18 to 25 ticket and give them an area they can go and they can either go into Alstand, you know, or J whatever, or they can go into a, like a, into the north stand or somewhere. Or yeah, them something they can do, so they've got an
1: option. We both mentioned Forrest there, but if you haven't seen, the chairman has set the following price structure for tickets. It's £10 for 4 to 11-year-olds. That's 44p a game. It's 50 quid for 12 to 17-year-olds. That's uh, still pretty ridiculous, £2.17 per game. And it's £100 a season for 18 to 23-year-olds, meaning uh, an amazing £4.35 per game. And Chris mentioned something brilliant there, though. Putting youth season tickets together. Obviously that shouldn't be set because some want to sit with older mates or with family but having a youth season ticket section at Old Trafford could be brilliant. In terms of prices why would United be against it? Obviously United we all know are a business and are searching for that increased revenue but match day revenue at United has grown every year since 2009 but despite that the proportion of United's revenue that has come from the match day revenue has fallen because of huge TV money streaming in. According to Deloitte It's from 29% in 2007-08 season to 15% last season. That means it's a better time than ever for United to change the pricing structure. Now, fair play, prices have been frozen for some years now. That's certainly a positive step from the United board and the prices aren't astronomical. They're not like Arsenal. But they are high and particularly high for the next generation of football fans who simply will not be able to afford to go to Old Trafford. The average age of fans in the Stratford End has risen from 17 in 1968 to 40 in 2008. There's no surprise that the atmosphere has got worse when the people have changed from groups of young mates at their most vocal age to people closing in on middle age and, let's be honest, being a bit more grumpy. The BBC's Price of Football survey showed that 80% of 18-24 to year old football fans see the price of football as a barrier to going to games. My generation of fans are often criticised about not going out to games and watching them on TV. Playing FIFA and Football Manager, etc., etc. But what choice do a lot of them have when prices are so high? I'd say the most important group to reduce prices for is 18 to 30 year olds. The time when people can fall away from football. Before that, your parents might pay for it, but after that, it's not happening. And it's one of the things that might have to be sacrificed when things start getting a bit tight. For a hundred pound season ticket for 18 to 20, for 18 to 23 year old secures that next generation of fans. It means people don't have to sacrifice football for more money. On a night out,
2: that's a big reason why a lot of people who are genuine diehard fans and who have been supporting the club for their whole lives can't afford to go to games because so many of the seats now are package deals or hospitality packages, and they're just so expensive that it is it is really you know rich tourists who can afford to go to the games, and it makes the atmosphere so much worse. And I, I mean, I know the club are focused on on their revenue and everything like that, but you know our revenue stream is the biggest of any club in the world. We can afford to take a little bit of a hit on ticket prices. Um, especially for younger people who generally just want to go and have a good time with their mates uh, and, and they're, you know, they're the future of, of the fans of the club uh, they're the ones who are going to be contributing to the atmosphere for the next 15-20 years so they're the ones I think who should be getting the discounts um,
1: more and more incentives for people to, to show up More incentives to show up what does that mean? Well Cheaper beer is a solid place to start. United want people in the ground earlier. It helps with the atmosphere. It's easier for them security-wise. It means people spending more money in the ground. It's perfect for United. Cheaper tickets, cheaper beers, cheaper food, and people sitting together, and United can have that dream. Fans in the ground well before kickoff, spending money at the club bars. United have got their sponsorship deals, obviously, so it'll always be a certain kind of food, a certain kind of drink, but they've shown a willingness to do it. But what they do is halve the prices for the hour before the hour before kickoff. That's a start but just cut the prices or do it just for members if they really want to be stingy about it. Andy Mitten gave us another point. Football fan culture is dependent on leaders. He says there are none in the next generation of United support.
4: It's got to be organic. It's got to come from within. It can't be the club saying, you should be here. You should be singing this because it becomes contrived. Even the term singing section, I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it, even though that's actually what it is. It is a singing section. I think what a lack of leaders, young leaders, if you look at a lot of the really well-known faces at Manchester United, they'd made the name by the time they were 20 years old. People knew who they were when they were when they were young lads. And now you've got a lot of people who might have a high profile on social media, but they've not actually done it in real life. They've not earned the stripes, if you like. And it's quite a hard concept to explain, but if you're going to a, a lot of matches and you're... you're starting songs, you become known as a face. Word spreads, it's the word of the street, and it's far more effective than somebody uh, tweeting out there. And There's been a definite lack of leadership among younger Manchester United fans, and that's partly because it's been far harder for them to get tickets, although in the last six or seven years, ticket prices have actually been frozen. They're not going up like they were when the Glazers took over in 2000.
1: English football culture is reliant on leaders. People need to start the songs. It'd be silly to think otherwise. That doesn't mean those leaders need to be the hooligans of the 80s. That's not what Andy means or anyone means. It just means there needs to be young fans coming through who are known, who start songs, who are with their mates, the next generation of fans to teach the generation after that to make sure things continue. Expanding Old Trafford has had muted mentions in the media for a couple of years. Old Trafford hasn't been touched, as we mentioned earlier, since 2006. That's when it was last expanded. In the 11 years since then, we've seen Wembley opened at 90,000. Arsenal have moved to the Emirates. Liverpool have rebuilt Anfield's main stand. Manchester City have vastly improved the inside and outside of the Etihad Stadium. Tottenham Hotspur mid-move and Chelsea will be soon. Barcelona have expanded the new Camp. Real Madrid have expanded the Bernabeu. And, well, just before United expanded in 2006, Bayern Munich opened their Allianz Arena. United have fallen behind, basically. 75,000 people is not what it once was. It's still the biggest club stadium in the country, but United are no longer really leading the way. The ninth largest in European football, that's good for most clubs, but for United, not quite.
4: On expansion, publicly they've been saying nothing, but behind scenes it's been looked at. And what it takes is the people with the purse strings, the glazers, to say, OK, we're going to spend this many millions, or hundreds of millions, or tens of millions, on doing what we need to do to make Old Trafford even bigger or modernising it a bit because it hasn't really been touched in the last decade. And So you can have all the goodwill in the club to, to, to make those changes and there is a lot of goodwill there but the people with that goodwill are not the ones who are paying for it. It's like me saying I want that car, I don't know, wanting it and getting it. Uh, is two completely different things. Expansion has its drawbacks,
1: certainly, but increasing to 88000 for status and getting more fans would help. The drawbacks are prices. United could, and top clubs often do, excuse increasing the prices with, well, we've got to pay for new seats and pay for expanding it. But that's why Andy says it's down to the Glazers. We spend so much on players, fine, but spend a one-off sum on expanding. Liverpool have done it, Real Madrid have done it, Barcelona have done it, and United can do it and should do it. There are a lot of solutions. What about European examples, though? What can we take from the supposed ultras of Eastern Europe, South America and elsewhere?
3: Like, if you go to places like uh, Ajax, they've got a core set of fans, and they're in the corner and they're going for it. And I know people, have, if you ever mentioned to J stand about going the sing section, they'll just freak out because they ate it. It's like they want to try and create that sort of group of, like fans and keep them together in one area.
4: I've just been in Marseille with Patrice Evra, and he mentioned that Roma game because of the atmosphere. He said it was probably the second best he ever experienced as a a Manchester United player. And you mentioned Madrid. I remember it so vividly because it was such a huge game. And and you're right, the atmosphere was was very good that night. I think it's a number of contributory factors which have, have led to the position that we've got. And makes me envious when I go to places like Marseille and watch Marseille PSG and just marvel at how good the the show of the fans is, the noise, the flags, the colour. United fans are some of the most loyal and passionate fans in world football. I might say that it's great at Marseille, but they won't take anything like the numbers that Manchester United take to away games. I've got friends who make a huge commitment going to every single game. I go to a lot of games, but to be honest, it's my job now. I get paid to go. I've got people who virtually put their life on the line and, and make huge sacrifices just to go to, to every single Manchester United game. I and mean, you see them on preseason tours in, in America. Manchester United have got brilliant fans in terms of the loyalty. I think when you look at some of the ultra groups, and I'm not advocating that you know, I have ultra groups. It almost becomes a way of life for them, and that can be a good and a bad thing because. If you look at some of the groups in Italy, they almost have too much power. And I've spoken to players and watched games with them at some of these games. And I've said, this is just fantastic. And they said to me, it's better in England. I've said, you what? It's not better in England. They've said, it's better in England. And I said, look at them. Look at the noise. Look at the colour. Look at the flags. Look at the flares. And players have said to me, it's all about them. It doesn't help the players on the pitch. And when we're talking about atmosphere, the beneficiaries of this should be the players on the pitch by the way of more support. And maybe for a time Manchester United fans became too successful, too sated, too spoiled, that they didn't feel that the team needed any help. And you get a lot of players who come from outside the UK and they say they love the primal screams that you get at English grounds and the fact that English grounds are always full because they not always full in Spain or in Italy. There's times when you go to Italian games, it's dangerous. And much as I love the madness and craziness of watching football in Buenos Aires, would I take my kids there? Probably not. So I do think that the, 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 there's a lot right in, in the way that Premier League football is done. I just think we need to take the brakes off a little bit and try and improve the atmosphere a bit and not be so scared when like-minded groups get together and try and improve the atmosphere, as has happened at United, as has happened at Newcastle, um, and there are other groups as well. They've had issues at Liverpool, but there's a lot of good people. Let them stand together, let them sit together and stand in a seated area, make some of the noise, and for it to act as a point which sparks the atmosphere. And improves the experience for the whole stadium.
1: There are so many reasons behind the atmosphere being bad. There are so many solutions to fix it, to make the football better for those going, for those watching, and for those playing. Everybody wants a better atmosphere, but people have got to be proactive about it and not take a back seat in the matter. That means the fans and the club. Ian from the Manchester United Supporters Trust is positive about the next few years.
0: You know, but the attitudes change within the club, I believe, uh, through years you know, pushing from different groups, from Jay, you know, and ourselves. Uh, and I think there's a real push towards improving the atmosphere. And I, I'm optimistic that, you know, something's going to happen pretty soon. It has to. It's yeah. dying on its ass in there. Yeah. You know, you can't just wait for the big four games a season and maybe a big team in Europe to generate yeah. a bit of atmosphere. Let's nurture everything, let's, let's put it in place so we, we can provide the atmosphere, you know, that we say we can.
1: We've heard a lot. This episode was intended to bring together the opinions of a number of people from different backgrounds. Andy Mitten, who started going in the 80s, knows more about the nuances of football fan culture at United more than pretty much any journalist in the business. His insight was fascinating. It seems to me that a lot of the blame from him falls on United fans, but... He supports the bringing of people together who want to sing, want to be vocal and he's desperate for United to encourage the next generation of fans to fulfil that title, to make sure that they can afford to go to games and can make mates at the football and retain that culture. Chris, who started going to United Games as a Premier League, came into being as an 18 year old and has gone to more and more as he's got older, thinks only one thing, put people together. Ian from Musk gave us valuable insight into what's really going on inside the club and he and Andy think there is An appetite for change within the United board and officials. Where Ian was positive about the future, Andy is more sceptical, having seen initiatives try and fail, but thinks something will happen at the club in the future. I think there are a few key things to understand. Any change has to be organic from within the fans, even if that's assisted by various things the club do. And that's what Andy pointed out. Fans have to allow things to be tried out, though. Scepticism isn't really needed when trying to fix this issue. But the club have got to be more proactive. Jose Mourinho asked for the fans to make more noise. And that's fine. He's right. He's completely right. But not when the club who he is representing as stewards asking fans to sit down constantly isn't addressing the problems. Because there are solutions to everything that is holding back Old Trafford. And United need to pay more attention to them and they need to care more. It's something weirdly that Man City captain Vincent Kompany has pointed out brilliantly. He said the Premier League is unique, financially dominant and global. I imagine that a general decline in stadium atmosphere can damage the value of that product. Linked to ticket pricing, seating location and safe standing is almost inevitable. Long term gains against short term profits is the eternal dilemma. He's basically saying, look, if you don't improve the atmosphere, people will stop coming. The TV money will go down. It's about ensuring that the product remains attractive. And that's the kind of language you've got to talk in when you're thinking about Manchester United a product, a brand, a business. He also said less empty seats leads to a better TV product, and that's more money, but also a better atmosphere, which in turn affects testosterone levels and territorial behaviour in players. It's a very scientific approach, and he said, therefore, increasing home advantage, there's financial value in every added league point too. For United, they've got to do it. It helps them. It's better for the fans, it's better for the players, it's better for the viewers on TV, it's better for United as a brand. And so, I'll leave you to make your own conclusions. This episode has been a couple of months in the making. I hope you've enjoyed it, maybe learnt a thing or two. It's been fascinating to make and to speak to various people, not just those who have featured on here. Thank you to our three main guests though, Andy Mitten, Ian Sterling and Chris from the MUFC Songs account on Twitter. Thanks to all of you for listening. Send us your thoughts on the matter to our Twitter at, at @utdweeklypod. that's P-O-D at the end there. This won't be the last time we talk about the atmosphere, because it's not the end of the debate or the end of the issue. And we'll do our best to keep the issue relevant, and you can too, by sharing this episode if you've enjoyed it. And on that note, if you are enjoying the Manchester United weekly podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, because it helps massively. As always, cheers for listening, have a great week, goodbye. Network.